You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. And this feature is brought to you by Altron, technology partners in your digital transformation journey. For more, visit altron.com. Altron, there when it matters. Aki Anastasiu. Good morning to you, Eusebius McKaiser. How are you? <laughs> I, I can't get it right. I can't quite get it right. Are you well, uh, sir? I am extremely... I'm always good when I see you. you like a... Uppers. If you were a drug, you would be what druggies refer to as an uppers. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I just, I, I would imagine so. Not the ones you were talking about Forgive with Dr. Eve uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, no, another, no. that's another lift altogether. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, Christian. all of the three stories we bring you today, uh, not that I need to justify doing the obvious, my first thought was when I read it this morning is that this is exactly why this segment has been appropriately rebranded as technology and society. Yeah, no, it's it's just uh, amazing. So where, where do you want to start? With artificial intelligence research. Well, absolutely. Of, not least because of the African dimension that I know you also care about deeply and this belief that some of this innovation can only happen in the global north. No, it's amazing. So so with um, what Google have done, this just last week, in fact, they launched, their, uh, they officially launched the Artificial Intelligence Research Center in Ghana. And it's one of a few research centers around the world where they've got the best of the best, creme de la creme of scientists from our continent, from the rest of the world, all coming together to solve and find solutions solutions pertaining particularly to Africa's problems, but they do look at other issues as well. And um, they, they, they've got this laboratory there, and they're going to try and find these real-world solutions, but they're going to be focusing on agriculture, they're going to be fo- focusing on medicine, um, cancer research, they're going to be doing a lot of different stuff. And it just was great. And uh, here's, here's a snippet of uh, the head of Google in Accra speaking. His name is Mustafa Sise, just talking about this, because it's such a great thing that we've got this, and I know some of South Africans scientists is going to be involved as well at the Google Artificial uh, Intelligence Research Center situated in Ghana. But here's Google's head in Ghana, Mustafa Sise, talking about the new center. So this morning we introduced the Google AI Accra Research Center to the media. So it's a group of people, researchers and engineers, working to advance artificial intelligence and also to apply it to important problems mainly uh, problems and challenges relevant to the context of Africa. Well, our goal is to advance the frontiers of this science. So we expect to have an impact, a scientific impact, but also we expect to, through collaborations with different institutions, working on local challenges, have an impact beyond our own field by applying the, um, the technology to agriculture to health and to other other areas where it can be useful beyond the purely technical and foundational aspects of of machine learning and ai we have spoken about a few areas that are of interest to us this morning Uh, we have spoken about agriculture how can we use ai to prevent certain or to diagnose early certain crop diseases. We've also spoken about our interest in applying AI to healthcare. Uh, there is a huge potential in using it in education, and we also spoke about using AI to analyze satellite images in order to inform, uh, uh, to, to inform policies in humanitarian perspective or in census and uh, things like that. So there is a lot of potential. 
I mean, just things like satellite images. Do you know how many satellites are up in the sky? I mean, Amazon's got them, Google's got Everyone's putting satellites up in the sky. And I mean, in the past, if you look at people and how they grew crops before satellites, you plant your seeds, your crops grow, you sow your crops at the end of the season. Now, um, and then, you know, up until a decade ago, the, you know, we had aerial images from satellites taken that were updated like every six, seven months. Mm. Now these are getting updated like on a daily basis. Mm. And you put that in through artificial intelligence, you can immediately see... Uh, aerial photographs from your crop and where things might be going wrong where you need to pay attention so we're just optimizing the crop so much better and spotting diseases and and you know areas that aren't being watered properly way in advance so there's hardly any wastage anymore with farmers and this is where we we going gearing towards in the world yeah, no, I love that story for just all sorts of reasons. I yeah. really do. Africa's not short of problems that need urgent problem solving, but also we have an incredibly rich history that we ourselves, in terms of epistemic justice, don't do enough to talk about in public radio and public platforms, which is an incredible history of innovation. So you're not coming in here as outsiders trying to be good missionaries. This is also because... There is brains on this continent that the global north can leverage and take back in terms of the output to to first world countries. 100%. And you know, Eusebius, every time I go to Silicon Valley and I I, I inevitably always bump into an African Mm. who's heading up. I mean, the head of Google's, uh, one of the the chiefs of Google's security is an African from Niger. Um, I mean, the kind of knowledge that we've got, and they shouldn't be there. They should be on our continent contributing to our continent's problems. But because there weren't opportunities, they are in other Absolutely. countries. But, I mean, that's that's going to change, obviously. And then your second story about, uh, what, Nazi war criminals who can't uh, rest easily? Sure. The, you know, this is actually mind-blowing. So l- let's go back to the Second World War. After the Second World War, um, you know, the we had the Nuremberg trials uh, from 1945 to 1949 where there were crimes against humanity and all the high-ranking Nazi officials were prosecuted. Um, and in particular, if we look at, at Auschwitz where, you know, um, you know, so many people were murdered. Um, and, and, and what happened was that the high-ranking officials were the guys that were, you know, that were, um, you know, obviously, um, the, the, sorry, my phone's ringing and I'm being distracted over here. So up until three years ago, hmm. they changed the rules and they lifted the statute of limitations for the prosecution of war, of war criminals. So if you're an accessory, for example, if you're a guard at Auschwitz, and, and you claim that you didn't see anything wrong going on in the Auschwitz. They said, no, no, hang on a second. You were, you were also part of this. And, uh, you cannot say that you didn't see what was going on. Yeah. And, 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 and there was this guy. His name is, um, I'll, I'll give you his name. His name is Hanning. He was a sergeant at the time. And he found himself face to face with justice in June of 2016. He was charged with 170 thousand counts of murder Mm. and he basically said listen he didn't know what was going on and the the court of law was out to prove that you actually did know what was going on so what they did was they used virtual reality for the first time in a courtroom since the last world war ii nazi trial and they've done a documentary on this it's absolutely fascinating what they did is they they took auschwitz and they recreated auschwitz in a 3d model they used millions of laser scans they used historical blueprints of the site they used aerial photographs they used witness testimonies Testimonies, and the judges actually wore these VR goggles and they climbed into the watchtowers as if they were at Auschwitz. And this is a, a camp that's about 15 miles, just under 30 kilometers. More than 1.1 million people were murdered there during the war. 
And the judges put these VR goggles on, and they could see exactly what this guy would have seen. I, dude, I, I can't tell you how stunning and, this question is. And they wow. prosecuted him, and 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 in the, in the time that they were doing this prosecution, he actually died. But the point is, they proved the court proved that. You were lying that you didn't know what was going on and you could see it. Now, imagine if we could imagine how many trials we could recreate this way, Eusebius. And um, I mean, I'm thinking of the Oscar trial. Imagine the judge had VR goggles, what you'd be seeing from the inside of that bathroom or any other trial for that matter, adding this kind of evidence using this kind of evidence as and recreating situations. I'm thinking of Sharpville. I'm thinking of. Um, um, you know, massive um, events that have happened in our country's history that every school should have one of these VR goggles with whatever happened that day so people can actually see and witness for themselves, say, my God, I cannot believe this happened. I, 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 I'm, I'm blown away. I mean, I'm just thinking as you're speaking, the way my mind works, the implications for the law of evidence for justice. Yes, and um, journalism, even you know, all yes, sorts of things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and and they recreated this, and these judges put these VR goggles. They experienced, and they said, "Hang on a second, it's impossible. Uh, it's astonishing. It's astonishing." So, if I put a pair of these on and I go into the dungeon, can I also answer the question, "What was it like being Aki in the SMN?" <laughs> <laughs> No, no there, wasn't, the there wasn't enough light, so you couldn't see anything. <laughs> oh, touche. Touche. <laughs> and then lastly, Walmart hates people? Well, you know, this is a very, very interesting one. It's a very controversial one. Now, Walmart's been working on this technology and introducing robots to their stores, and they've got this whole division, and they're making people feel a little bit uncomfortable, and I understandably, I can, under, I can understand why they're feeling uncomfortable. But this year, this is what Walmart's doing. They're going to be introducing 1,500 autonomous floor cleaners. So they're going to be replacing floor cleaners at mop floors in many of their stores, 1,200 truck unloaders, people that take stuff off of the truck and pack it into their stores. And they're introducing these pickup towers in the stores, which is quite interesting. Um, these massive pickup towers that are five meters tall, that you order something online, you walk into a store and you scan your order and it's, whatever you ordered comes out, okay? But the interesting one that they're introducing, and they're introducing these shelf scanners, and I've seen this video uh, of this shelf scanner. If you can imagine a, a corridor of stock on either way, you've got these 3D scanners that are just scanning products on either side as it's going down the aisle. And it's reading the stock counts. It's reading what is out of place and what needs to be replaced. And there's no use of human beings to to check the shelves and read barcodes of the shelves because this thing is doing it on its own. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know what Walmart is saying is we we actually focusing this technology and and making those repetitive jobs a lot easier for people and giving those people a chance to focus on stuff that they're actually properly trained to do so. But I don't know, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we, mm. we know where this is going, and it's going to be difficult to, to upskill somebody who's been cleaning floors all their life to, you know, start doing Absolutely. AI or something else. But, you know, I don't know. Absolutely. But it is where the world is going, and if Walmart doesn't do it and introduce these kind of efficiencies, somebody else is going to do it to become 100%. a lot more efficient. Absolutely. But uh, those, those – mm. um, and if you look at these towers, you know, of picking up your orders, um, because people hate going shopping, so they order stuff online, they come there. And think about the ATM as doing the same thing with bank tellers. You know, 20, 30 years ago, they replaced mm. bank tellers in many mm. regards, 100%. making it more convenient for you to go and get cash. Thank you, Aki. We'll do this again, not next week. Thank we'll you, give you a reprieve for Easter Monday.
Yes, Nista Monday. That's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. I play nicely. With I'll the get bunny. you my VR stuff next week. You know how much you love bunnies. I'll yeah. switch the lights on next time. <laughs> and of course, that was courtesy of Altron. Speaking of which, you may hear digital transformation everywhere you go. But what does it mean? It's uh, actually a business imperative. It's our businesses evolve and remain relevant today and into the future. This means businesses are always shifting how they operate, empower their employees, and engage their customers. Partner with the technology company that can assist you with this digital transformation journey. Eltron, there when it matters. Visit eltron.com for more.